This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to live their best life and become location independent. This is our podcast anniversary month, and we are celebrating with an incredible interview with our past guests Jennifer O'Brien and Jacob Fu as well as a live Q&A from our amazing listeners who attended our party. This year has been a roller coaster of wins and heartaches for me but I would really not have traded it in for anything in the world because of all of the lessons I've learned about myself and this industry. Thank you all for the support and feedback you have given me and I really really appreciate all of you. I can't wait to see what the next year will hold for all of us. Listen on to hear our incredible interview with Jennifer O'Brien and Jacob Fu, where they discuss what it's like to have an offbeat life together with a Q&A with our live audience. We are here live with our one-year anniversary party. Hey, everybody. This is so weird to do this live. This is so crazy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I pretty much tricked Jacob and Jen yeah. to be here and to do this live interview with all of you guys. <laughs> Thank you for being tricked and for doing this. Congratulations, first off. <laughs> yes. One year. I know. It's huge. That's amazing. I can't That's believe great. it. And I actually have listeners and they're here. It's so strange. <laughs> yeah, for those of you guys who can't see, there's at least 300 people here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, there is. Let's just keep it to that. <laughs> Let's hear it for the fans. So I wanted to do this live interview because Jen and Jacob are one of the most popular listened to episodes on the podcast because they have such great communities and a great, incredible business that they run. So Jen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you lead an offbeat life? Absolutely. So I'm Jen. I started the Travel Women. So it is a, um, I'm not sure, should I look at a camera? Should I look at you? Should I look at the look audience? At, look at, look at There's everybody. There's so many options. There's so many beautiful people here. <laughs> look at all of them individually. Okay. No, no, no stress. <laughs> Well, no, it was so great to be on your podcast because I, I definitely li- live an offbeat life. It's always interesting to explain. I think all of us in the room sort of get it. We're, you know, living a unique lifestyle. But basically, I have that kind of crazy schedule of trying to do, you know, travel in between to all these different places and document it through written articles, uh, photos, and video. So trying to do all of that and, you know, in between emailing clients and you never feel like you're fully on vacation when you're on these trips. It's not a vacation at all. So it's really, it's so much work. So it's really an offbeat life because sometimes I'm, you know, sleeping crazy hours and sometimes I'm awake at crazy hours and I don't sleep at all during a trip. So it's definitely something that you kind of get used to and, and just sort of go with and to be able to do all these amazing opportunities that my my job working for myself as the travel women allows me to do. What is the most crucial part of your business and how you think it got you to the point where you have over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram? So a lot of my listeners and some of you are here have talked about building a community and having a really large following and growth. Do you think that's an important part to actually growing and you know monetizing a business 
Absolutely. You have to have an audience. You have to have a community. You have to add value to people. So it's definitely super important to make sure that you're building something that doesn't doesn't fully exist already. Give it a new angle, a new spin on something that you might love or admire. And make sure that you're, you're, you're adding value to your audience. You're creating content resources so that they can do something that you already do and you love and you're an expert on, for example. And I think for building communities, the, the number one thing is to just engage with your audience, to constantly talk to them uh, via DM, via like messages, via comments. I am constantly like looking up create random things. I have a one of my most popular videos um, on my YouTube is about New York City subway guide, and that video gets so many comments. People are like, "But does the M60 bus, like the unlimited metro card, does that work?" And then I will Google it to double check and be like, "Okay, yes, you can do it this way, but you can't do it that way." And it's like, if you spend that extra time, like answering people's questions and really, you know, engage with people, they really value that. And then when they go on their trip to New York for the first time, they're like, "Oh my God, Jen, I used your tips, and it was really helpful, and that makes my day." And Jen, for somebody who's just starting out, they look at you, you have hundreds of thousands of followers, and we can't really relate to that yet, right? Because you're above and then we're here. <laughs> so what would be your best tips for someone who wants to grow that kind of following and a really dedicated following as well? Because we don't want followers that are just there, right? We want them to be active and for you to actually grow a business from that. So what would be your best tips for someone? I think my number one tip is to just obsess about it. Like you can't like half-ass it. You can't like just be like, oh, I think I want to start a blog. I think I want to do this. You have to put your full heart and soul into to it you have to I was obsessed with it in the very beginning so I think it was like 2015 I was like on Instagram like way too many hours a day and that's how I was able to build a community but I think that if you know if you obsess about something enough and you continuously research like new tips of like how does someone else do it like how else uh, other strategies constantly research it figure it out try new things and if you really truly obsess about it you will achieve it that's definitely has helped me and you also created this community for women and you do a lot of events as well. Why were you thinking about this and what made you decide to do this and really gather all of these people together? Yeah, so I do events wherever I'm traveling. I try to do a meetup, and I, um, I'm constantly trying to connect other women because I've found it super helpful in my life when I've gone to other meetups like this meetup right now today, which I'm so happy to be a part of. Um, thank you so much for having it. Oh, I know, like, yeah, I, mm, awkward. <laughs> and it's always been helpful to connect with other people because everyone has another tip that they can share. And honestly, if you're willing to give and, and share other tips and, and get receive tips from other people, that's how we all help each other get ahead. I think that's super important. When people look at someone like you and Jacob and Esther over there, they see that you're already successful, right? But most of the time, we don't see the struggles that you go through. What has been the biggest struggle that you have gone through so far by doing this? And how do you usually get over them and keep going, even when you're crying, ugly crying every day? <laughs> that happens to all of us. <laughs> it's, I honestly, I'd love to open the discussion about what is success because I think some people thinks, think some bloggers and people are super successful, but I think some of the best, most successful bloggers and, and people don't think they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a struggle that I personally, like, I still question. I'm like, am I doing this right? Am I really being successful if I'm doing this or if I'm doing that? And honestly, like, there, it feels like sometimes, like, when 
you're building an audience and, and things like this, there's no, okay, once you hit this exact number and this and this amount of money and all of these things, it's officially success. It's just like you could always make more. You could always do more. So I think it's definitely up for interpretation. So I'd love to like kind of like ask Jacob, what do you think success is? Yeah, Jacob. <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs> Threw me under the bus. Wait, so be- before we get to that, Jacob, Sorry. tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely, my name is Jacob. I am the lesser half of local adventurer. Uh, Esther's a much better half. She's, Do we agree with that? Yes, she Esther agrees, agrees. For those of you guys who can't hear, um, she's really the the brain, the mastermind behind it, but doesn't like speaking in public. Therefore, I get thrown up here. Yeah. She's behind uh, the camera right now. Yes, she is. <laughs> she does the fun part. <laughs> so yeah, we, we run a travel blog where we move to a new city every year, write about the city and the surrounding area, really encouraging people to explore their own backyard. I was telling everybody in this party <laughs> that Jacob is really instrumental in the success of my podcast besides Sierra over there, who is like pretty much my right-hand woman. A lot of people, especially in the podcast industry, in the blogging industry, when you're first starting out, you have no freaking idea how to not even just create content. I mean, a lot of us are creatives. All of us are. So that's just kind of second nature. But the thing that we don't know how to do is monetize. And most of us have a nine to five that we want to leave. <laughs> we either, you know, it's boring for us, it's not challenging enough, or we just absolutely hate it. Right. And there's other people out there like Saks over here who does enjoy her day job, but who also has passion, but they also want to create income from it. Now, Jacob actually took me out of that and he helped me monetize a podcast where I'm at a point where I can leave my job right now. And we're at the one year mark. So he was so instrumental to that. He showed me how to negotiate, how to work with brands, how to keep going. And Jacob, I'm so thankful for you. And I'm going to tell everybody this, get his e-course because I am the living proof that he freaking works. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I need like slipper $20 bill yeah, Give me that right now. Down, I'm all done. So Jacob, when you and Esther started the podcast, so Esther started it first and she is a pure genius when it comes to photography and all of the things creative and Esther is like the queen of Pinterest so if you guys have any questions about Pinterest at all there's Esther and you are the other half you are the person that actually creates income from all of the creative things that (laughs) Esther has been doing so a lot of people think just because you're an artist you have to be starving right or you have to really struggle and I really want to take that myth out because I have two people here that don't do that. They're not starving. They make a lot of money from what they're doing and they're doing it creatively and they love their work. So Jacob, how do you dispel that myth that you don't have to be a starving artist and creative and actually make income from being a creative person and doing what you love? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I believe that, that with whatever you're doing, no matter what size you are, you can be working with brands or learning to monetize your business. Uh, I think as Jen said, there's the, the hard part is with being creatives and in the space that we're in, and even from the discussions tonight, it, there's so many different things we can be working on. 
at any point in time, right? Like there's a hundred different projects you have going, juggling all these balls in the air. So what do you focus on? I think there's business and, and sales is something that I'm passionate about. And so that's why I'm really excited to launch this e-course, but also it's been amazing to see you translate what, what I thought would work yeah. to actually see it working. I'm so excited. Um, and <laughs> It's something that no matter what you're doing, it's a skill that you can take to what to if you decide to pivot in the future. Um, it's a skill that will be useful in anything that you're doing, even if you decide to go back to a corporate job. It's skills that you can use then. My background was in sales and account management, account managing, and that's what I was doing before I joined Esther. When I joined her, I had no idea what the blog space looked like. It it, it blew my mind that people were making a living off of it and that. Uh, there was a whole industry behind it. So I really just took what I learned before through sales and kind of through a lot of trial and error figured out what would work here. I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> so I'm just going to kind of keep rambling until you tell going. me to stop. <laughs> uh, but no, really, I, I really encourage people to, to learn these skills. It, it's a scary thing to do, especially if you, you've never done it before. You know, the, the, the idea of where do I start? How do I price myself? Where, who do I reach out to? Um, what brands do I even look for? And then from there, once you get in touch with them, that's when it gets even scarier, right? It's like, okay, well, I don't know what to say. I was talking to Jacob about this. I'm like, I'm really nervous. They want to do a call with me. What do I do? And Jacob's like, this is the fun part. It okay? is. <laughs> <laughs> this is when th things get really fun. <laughs> this is what you do. <laughs> it's true, though. It, it's, it's, I mean, in, in a way, it's a game, right? It, it's, there's, there are things that you can learn that help you just get better. And honestly, it's practice. You know, there's there's no, I can't give you a script that's gonna work every time. Um, there, there's no like handbook for this. And, and if people are telling you that, I think for the most part, it's a lie. It's, it, it's They're trying to sell you a dream that doesn't exist. Um, but I think there are basic principles that apply to whatever you're doing. And that you can end up changing it a little bit for yourself and, and it should work. I loved hearing your story of uh, when somebody reaches out to you with a budget and how you've been able to, to expand that because um, the way I do the sales is, is always kind of stretching that budget that they have. A real life example from this year, uh, you know, a company comes, uh, reaches out and says, hey, we want, uh, this, this is what we want as, as our deliverables. We have a budget of $20,000. I was ready to just jump at the opportunity because it was, it was an easy grab. They already wanted to work with us, but I had to like I recollected myself and said, "Okay, let's." Because you let's, get so excited. Let's do the sale. Yeah, right. You get 20 excited. Twenty grand. Oh my Even, god. No matter what size you get, you get Sweating. excited. <laughs> you get excited as soon as they reach out to you. And so uh, we, I went through kind of my sales process and the method, and we ended up stretching their budget to thirty-five thousand. Um, you know, and so it's it's a and it works at a different any scale that you're at. If if you're at a five hundred dollar price range, at least to, to get them to a thousand dollars, or five thousand to ten thousand, and so it it it's something that you can use no matter what part of the business and what where you are in that. And it never hurts to ask. And I think a lot of us are afraid to do that, especially when they're willing to give us money, mm. right? But remember, those people telling you their budget, it's not their money, it's their company's money. So it's not like you're, <laughs> you're taking it and just ripping it out of them, you know? So what Jacob 
um, was talking about, that definitely worked with me. And I, I was telling a few of you about this. I had a company, they gave me their budget. I did his method and it almost tripled the budget. So it was ridiculous and it works. And I'm so happy that I was talking to you about this because it was a really huge part of my fear before leaving my day job is how the hell do I create income from this when everybody in the industry in the podcasting industry was telling me that it was impossible they said that you need at least like a hundred thousand listens per episode and I'm like shit I don't have that I'm not even freaking close to that right now but I make more money than people who have a hundred thousand listens an episode <laughs> so that's ridiculous and because I learned how to ask and I knew that I am already valuable before I hit that and because of negotiating and knowing that you can ask for it and the worst that they can do is say no and guess what there's so much companies out there that you're just going to keep pitching and one of them is going to say yes one of them is about to right yeah. how was that like with you and Esther because Right now, you guys are hitting such big numbers that I'm like, oh my God, for a lot of people, that's like a whole year's worth of work, <laughs> you know? So when you and Esther first started, what was it like to actually monetize your blog? It's, it's taken a long time for us. A lot of what I've been telling you is stuff I wish somebody told me when we started because I feel like it fast tracks you. Um, but no, absolutely. It's uh, monetizing... From the get-go, I didn't know how to do it. And I think even from the beginning, I was a little bit wary of like, okay, well, I should figure this out before I really try or I really approach the brands with something or I, I want to be at a certain size. But I've, I've learned from uh, working with you and working with some other people, it's like it doesn't matter what size you're at. It's, it's about having a dedicated audience. Even if you have 50 people who are dedicated, that's that's better than, and there's a space for you. There's always somebody out there that's going to be willing, that needs to reach that 50 people. Uh, I really love your approach to it because I think, how, do, how did you word it? Like, I'm looking for the uh, the brand the non sexy brand yeah I call it don't don't chase the sexy yeah <laughs> that's my motto don't chase the sexy <laughs> exactly and and I think that that's kind of the way to to do it you're looking for brands who are a little bit off the beaten track you know it's not the stuff that you would naturally think of necessarily that's related to what you're doing but that is still kind of in that space or still needs exposure to the space that you're in and they have a big budget because nobody ever goes to them. So think about that, seriously. Yeah. Sierra, you know, she helps me find those people. <laughs> I love that. And the thing is, I was thinking about this. When I first started my podcast and I said, do I, and I talk about freelancers and location independent people, and I never put on my podcast you know, I want to be a digital nomad. So I always say people who want freedom lifestyles and want to be location independent and not necessarily be a digital nomad because that's really not what I want to do, right? So I want to be able to work and live anywhere, but I don't necessarily want to travel while I'm working because I want to travel in my own terms. So what I did, I strategized, and because I failed so many times as a freelancer, I was like, what was it that I kept doing that just didn't freaking work and it was because I was chasing sexy things and I said well if I'm ch chasing the sexy when it comes to travel and if you look at everything that's on Instagram right now where all of the travel bloggers and the Instagrammers are doing 
they're telling you what to do and see like all of the hotels, the tourism boards, that's what everyone sees, right? So I said, well, what about my people? What about me? What do I need? I understand I want to go to Aruba, but who cares? Like I could just go to Aruba by myself. But what do I need as, as a freelancer? I need insurance right? I need a virtual assistant. I need all of these different things that most people don't really tap into. So that's when I realized these people also had money <laughs> because no one goes to them. Everybody goes to hotels. Everybody goes to airlines. Everyone goes to tourism boards, but they don't go to international insurance, right? They don't go to any of those things. So when I, I think it was like Kismet when I met Jacob and Esther and Jen, because we do a mastermind, the girls and I, and then I talked to Jacob because I knew that they were like, they have a lucrative, you know, business. And I said, what should I do? And then once I put those two things together, not chasing the sexy and actually getting relevant companies who I know my audience will use, and also doing his tactic for negotiation and then using her um, ability to like create a community, it just became golden and that's when the light bulb just went off. And it, I'm telling you like having people who are really great and having a supportive system, that's why another thing that I always tell people is to have a mastermind group because I would not have grown this much without any of them. So it's so crucial to all of this. So thank you, Jen, Jacob, Esther, and Sierra, and Aaron. <laughs> it is what it is. And, you know, Jacob, um, Jacob and Jen, like, how do you feel about that? How do you think you grew your business as well besides all of these things? Do you think that that's true? Like, you need a community behind you that helps you go up and lift up? It was so helpful. I think one of the one of the major lessons that you've taught me is the rule of 80/20 and I I am still like constantly thinking about it. Create content for 20% of your time and then 80% of your time spend that time marketing. And we've talked about this a lot about the people that, you know, spend too much time like I need to have a blog a day or you know, a piece of content every single day instead of actually spending the time marketing it, making sure that the SEO is good for a blog, making sure that you're expanding your reach or you know just reaching out to the right people to to get get new eyes on your content. So I think that is something that definitely has helped me is a huge strategy is making sure that I'm not just creating the content but I'm also, you know, you can't just create it and then just like be like, "Oh great, it's done." and then just expect wish to for come. the best. <laughs> yeah. That's, in the beginning I did that and in the beginning I think a lot of people do that. They think I just made the best guide to this, everyone will read it and it will be great. And you unfortunately in the beginning especially that's when you need to market it even more and just make sure that you're emailing people like if I mentioned a certain restaurant want to reach out to them make sure that they share it make sure that anyone involved in the content that you're creating who might be interested in reading it sees it marketing is such a huge tool and then actually reaching out to sponsors because guys if you're just starting out they're not going to come to you so <laughs> Well, even it, and you, as you get bigger, it's you want to keep reaching out. You know, like that's that's never going to stop as you want to continue to grow your business. And uh, it's still something we do a lot. We still cold call. We still reach out to new potential potential clients. So, for somebody who is listening to this and they just got chills when you said cold calling. Yeah, because that's sorry, it's a very sales <laughs> term. That's that's Sierra. Sierra just raised her hand. <laughs> um, what? 
kind of tactics do you need do you think we need so when we do that call right so you did really great we're doing Jacob's thing we got this person to tell us like they want to do a call with us and it's time to negotiate how do you stop yourself from just freezing and be like ah oh. <laughs> shit they changed their mind because i sound like an idiot on the phone <laughs> so how do you actually prep for that Jacob first off you just have to be okay with a no right Worst case is you get a no. And if you really think about it, that's not a big deal. I think if, as soon as you accept that, you take a lot of pressure off of yourself. And for a lot of people who are just starting and you're still doing a full-time gig or whatever it is, uh, you know, you don't have the pressure of like, okay, I, I need this to pay the rent. So take that time to practice. It's okay to get the no's, like hone that, hone that way how you want to handle a call. The second tip I always give, too, is it's okay if you don't have an answer. I think a lot of times when you're on the phone, you always feel like, I have to be able to answer any question that they ask me. And I will tell you there are tons of times I still get on the phone and, and they ask me something about either our specific numbers or something about our business, and it's just a question that I've never heard before. And it's okay to just say, you know, I'm not sure. I, let me get back to you with an email. The call is not just... It's not the end-all, be-all. There's going to be follow-up from it. You're not trying to close it right on the call. So it's really, when I go into a call, it's more about gathering information. It's about getting them to talk and not me. Um, so it's really trying to find out what their goals are, what their pain points are, like what they're struggling with, and then figuring out how I can tailor a pitch to them. And I love when you said that you just have to keep practicing right it's like being in a job interview the more you do it the more you get better and the more you land the job mm -hmm. so think about it that way don't get nervous who cares if especially if you still have your day job you have nothing to lose and then by the time you leave your job you're gonna be a master at this that you're pretty much gonna get almost every single one let's hope so <laughs> So does anyone here have any questions that you want answered? You have your experts here. Anyone? Sierra? <laughs> so, this, re this reminds me of when I used to like sing with bands and sweat Whoa, every single night. Sing with bands. Awesome. I feel like we need to Mike pivot and like, focus <laughs> on this for a moment. No, yes, no. Yeah. Back to like getting excited about, that's a weird segue, back to getting excited about when a brand approaches you because this has been happening to me over the summer and I'm just now starting to be like, okay, I need to take a breath before I say, yeah, $500 for a blog post is great. I don't have super crazy high numbers. I don't need to ask for more than that. But then now that I've like started asking, like, hey, what's your budget? Or what, what can we do? What about seven? What about a thousand? Whatever. It starts changing your mindset a little bit. So I just need to know any tips you have yeah. for sort of um, like accelerating that mental process and like breaking down that barrier that you have to, to not just accept things right away, but to kind of like take a step back. Yeah. I know you've kind of gone over this, but anything you have in addition. Um, yeah, I would recommend setting your prices as like have standard prices and that way you know off the bat like are they meeting those numbers you know what's what you're valued at and those prices aren't necessarily set forever right if you start the way I look at it is if I'm starting to book x number of gigs a month at that price 
I'm ready to move up in price because obviously people are willing to book me at $500. So I'm going to bump my prices up to 750 or bump my prices up to 1000 But I feel like setting that price will set your baseline, right? So that you know immediately that they're under your price, but you can evaluate, is it a brand that I really want to work with? Then maybe it's worth it for me to negotiate down, right? They don't have much budget, but this is going to be awesome for my portfolio. Or it's a brand I don't really care about and they're not going to meet my price anyways. I don't need that money, or I know somebody else will, will come eventually. And so I feel like that's a good way to manage. The, the emotions will never go away. Yeah. <laughs> the emotions that's are always going to you're like, <laughs> and, and that's yeah. part of the exciting thing. That's yeah. why I love the sales process, yeah. because it's always still exciting. It's a way for you to step back and be like, OK, well, this is my baseline, you know, and, and they're, they're not meeting it. So now I can figure out what the next steps are. And then as a follow-up question, any sort of pricing tips. I know it's very relative and it's so personal to your own like brand and blog and everything. It is. So uh, two tips. A, just set one. Like honestly, there is no formula. There's no set rule. Like just make up a price. You'll learn really quickly if it's too much or too little, right? But set it. See, and then um, the second tip is, is find people that are similar size to you that you can talk to. I think it's really interesting uh, this space, there are a lot of egos in in the creative space. And you'll meet a lot of people who either don't want to share numbers or they're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing amazing. Right. But they never give you any hard facts of right. what that is. Yeah. Move on from them. Find people who you can connect with, who are open about their pricing. I think people who think that there is a, that who think that you're a competitor aren't the right people that you're going to, to, to connect with and the community that you're talking about, you know, there's just, there's always root, the pie is very large and there's room for everyone. There's a slice for everyone. So find people who are willing to say, well, this is what I'm priced at and it hasn't worked well. How about you? And people that you can kind of workshop with for that. So that would be kind of my second way to decide where you want to price yourself. Cool. When do we get to hear you sing, already. though? Uh, never. <laughs> that was another lifetime. <laughs> this is Angelina. So a question for both of you. Curious, what are your thoughts on the current blog space? Because you both started a few years ago, and it's obviously gotten a lot more saturated. So just both of your thoughts on where it's at right now and like where it might go. Great question. I think you're so right. It is very, you know... It's harder now to start than it has ever been, but it'll only get harder. So if you're really interested in it, definitely like don't be discouraged. Still feel free to start, but think about what makes you different. Like I, I definitely think that having your own angle is so important. Making sure that you're not doing something that already exists. Do something that's you know very specific to you that you're an expert on that you have a new angle on because I think that is what's going to help you separate you from other people. There's always a new angle that hasn't been talked about. So if you, I don't know, you love cats and you love travel and like you travel with your cats, like just like combine your, combine the things that you love and just make, make your own angle to it because I, I, I've definitely also been discouraged as well. And I'm glad that I didn't let that discouragement even back then be like, oh, well, there's all these people that are already successful. And it's still, I think, always possible to start it's just a matter of making sure that you get a new angle on things i think it also depends on what your goals are 
if it's to make a living, I think you can you can do it. Absolutely, I think it's it's to, you have to focus on kind of the right aspects of it and focus on it's it's not necessarily about building the biggest blog. It's about finding that niche and learning to work with the brands and learning, uh, figuring out what your income sources are going to be. I think as established or as saturated as it is, it's still the wild west. You know, there still aren't set rules. There still are new marketplaces popping up every day trying to figure out how brands can connect with it with uh with bloggers and the reason for that is because the potential for business is still there there's blog there are blogs who pop up out of nowhere and blow up within a year still um, so the potential is there for sure i think it's just that the hard part now is that there are so many resources it's good and bad, right? There's so many resources. Everybody's trying to sell a resource to you. So it's kind of sifting through that. Um, I think back in the day when we started, there was less of that. So there's a lot more that we had to figure out. But now you can connect with people and learn to grow your business really quickly. Anything else, Angelina? <laughs> Do you sing as well? <laughs> can we hear somebody sing? <laughs> Anyone else have any questions? Cassandra. Hi, I have a question about transparency in terms of sponsorships because I know a lot of bloggers will have just a little note somewhere on the website saying we've received a commission for some of these links. Um, but in some cases in blog posts or even in Instagram posts or Facebook, I see specific hotels mentioned, apparel companies, luggage or whatever. And it's not always clear if they're getting a kickback. And I feel you absolutely can promote something and be sponsored by them and really believe in it. But in some cases, it's really hard to trust that. So wondering if you guys have any specific uh, suggestions or rules or recommendations in regards to that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great point. I used to work at an agency where we managed YouTube talent. So we were there at the time when the FTC came out with a lot of the new rules. Um, and we were like, okay, let's not freak out. Let's just make sure that all of our YouTubers who are working with our clients are you know including that this link is sponsored this product this review is sponsored the unfortunate thing is that not enough people do say that it is sponsored so there are a lot of people who are very skewed um, and everything they wear everything they do everything they've ever touched has been sponsored and that's how they justify that's how they do it um, and sometimes they don't disclose it so it's something that I don't think we can fully you know avoid there are a lot of bloggers you can oftentimes tell like if they you know don't seem to live a very expensive lifestyle but own very expensive clothes and expensive things you can sometimes tell um, and then you can you know realize that maybe that doesn't make them the best source for that but I think that the best thing to see is if people are saying disclosed and disclosing exactly what it is that's someone I think that you can trust more if they're being very clear about it and they should be the rules definitely say that you should be disclosing these things and I think that uh, as a creative, I think it's just important to say, sometimes I'll say exactly it. I'll say, thank you for providing this free stay or thank you for providing this item because I think the clearer you can be, the better. And it helps other people make that decision in, in a better way. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think we were talking, Esther and I were talking about this recently and I, I was saying, I really wish they would crack down on it because I think a lot of people take advantage of, of the fact that there's no, the law is there, right? We're supposed to disclose it, but there's no repercussions if you don't right now at this point. I think as creatives in the space, you can tell, right? When you look at somebody's posts, you know it's, it's, they were provided that for free or whatever it may be, and they may not disclose it. I'm always curious to hear from 
somebody who's not in this space at all, if they can tell, or if, if they think it's honest opinions. Um, yeah, so I'm always really curious about that. My, my stance is we try to stay to the law as much as we can, you know, like we, we just, because they eventually yeah. will crack, crack down and we want to disclose it. And I think from the get go, we kind of, we told our readers and, and I think it's, it's becoming more common that, that readers and followers understand that this is the way we make our living. And so we're working as long as you're communicating that and, and they know that you're working with brands that you would already love anyways or that you're giving the honest opinion about it and you, it, the good and the bad, that there shouldn't be an issue. There's not, there shouldn't be repercussions or pushback from them to say like, oh, you're, it's gross, you're doing too many sponsored things. We try to really always uh, explain that this is, yeah, this is how we pay rent, this is how we eat, but we're trying to pick the brands that we love still. I, and I think at some point you can tell even when you're not in the industry because it's like one after the next after the next like damn yeah that that fifty yeah okay Sierra's got another one so productivity tools systems that you guys use how do you organize your day how do you stay on track because it's hard I can't believe you're asking that because you're like the most organized person I know. <laughs> Esther just said to use somebody else who's very organized. That's actually a very good method if you, it is, if you if you just can't organize yourself. Um, Esther and I fight a lot about this because I'm always about like, let's figure out the most efficient way. And she's like, shut up, I'm doing it my way. <laughs> uh, that's really how it goes. Usually two to three times a day, um, we, we have that kind of argument. So I use two tools. I use Toggle, which is a tool, T-O-G-G-L, that I love to like track my time because it has definitely helped me. Another freelancer told me about it and said, you know, I, I was spending way too much time on this one project and then realized how much time I was spending once I tracked it, and that helped her like really pivot. Um, so you can divide it. It's really nice if you have different clients or if you have different pro types of projects. Um, in the beginning, I honestly divided it into paid projects and unpaid projects, and if I was spending all of my time on the fun unpaid things I was like shit no I need to go and like stop and work more on these paid clients and reaching out and pitching and making sure that I'm trying to make money so that your you know your paid time is is really working in your advantage so you can divide uh, I'll do like a project so it can be paid and unpaid those types of projects or it can be like YouTube versus Instagram versus blog versus, you know, pitching emails, something like that. Um, and then within those projects, you can have separate, like, type in whatever you're doing during that time. I start my time, I stop it, and that helps me. Also, recently, I've been loving Evernote, so that's been great. Thanks, Debbie. I know. Aaron told me about that. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are my two that I, I love. I'm a huge Google person, so I'm like zero inbox. I use my inbox as like a to-do list. The snooze feature, brand new snooze feature, brilliant. If you use Gmail, it's like, it's a way you can just get rid of those emails in your inbox and they'll come back on a certain date, right? When I need to get it done. Um, so I use a lot of that because I do more of the business stuff, more of the client stuff. And, and then we started recently using Trello, which is, you know, it's just a task management type tool and you can create checklists um, and just kind of creating like okay well when I create a blog this is everything that I need to do with it and you can kind of move it through the system check it off so you know exactly what it is put the due dates in ultimately it's just finding what works for you and Sierra you find everything that works for you girl she organizes my life without her I'm dead 
seriously. <laughs> I was I was telling um, Esther and Jen I slept so much the last few weeks and things were still getting done. I was like, how the hell? it's happening and then i'm like oh yes sierra is doing the work <laughs> so thank you guys so much for coming here i really appreciate it it's really interesting to talk to my guests like jacob and jen and esther i'm trying to like push her to be on the show too i will i'm gonna get her drunk and do it um <laughs> she will yeah <laughs> Thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. Sometimes it can get, you know, when you're doing podcasts and blogs, you don't really know who on earth is looking at it or listening to it. And it's just really great to see all of your faces and to meet all of you and learn what you're all passionate about. And hopefully listening to my guests and to what they're doing with their life really inspires you because what you're doing and what you know, you guys are allowing us to do really inspires us as well. I really appreciate you guys and also all of my guests that have been on the show. Thank you so much. This has been one of the most, honestly, it's like a roller coaster. It's been the best times of my life and also like the hardest times of my life. And I would not have traded any of it for the world. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Yay. Congratulations, Debbie. Thank you, Jacob. Happy one year. Yeah, yay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Catering. <laughs> enjoyed this interview with Jennifer O'Brien and Jacob Fu. If you want to learn more about Jacob's e-course and how you can create income from blogging or podcasting or whatever it is that you want to do and negotiate like a pro, make sure to visit localadventurer.com slash offbeat and use offbeat100 to get $100 off. Hey, Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.